0: Hello friends, Patrick McFarlane here of the Liberty Bigly podcast. Coming at you with I think this is a the second, the second the seventh this is the second episode in two days. Uh, which is really just I don't know, exploding back onto the scene, I guess you could say. But um, it's been interesting kinda to get back into podcasting and, and start to use at least this show is what I had previously used like the Liberty Weekly podcast proper as, which is perhaps a bit of like a personal journal. Uh, Not too personal, save that for at home, but a little bit of a mental health venting sesh or what have you, or just a verbal thoughts diary. So I appreciate you all listening if you find it interesting, and may God have mercy on your soul. However, uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit today about um, what's going on in my life, but this has been a really crazy busy, like, mad dash two weeks before Christmas, and then we're going to visit my wife's family in Utah, and my son is sick for, like, the third time in the six months that he's been alive, or maybe the fourth time in those six months, and so that's pretty stressful, but if any of you are parents out there, you know what that's like, but it just compounds how like stressful things are. So at work, we're getting ready for a very important deposition of a doctor and a medical malpractice case. I have a case on Thursday that might be going to trial unless I can settle it tomorrow and it would be going to trial on Thursday. So thankfully it's only a uh, small claims case, so it's not huge stakes and the case isn't overly complicated, but it's still pretty stressful not really knowing because I have witnesses to prep and clients to prep, um, well, just witnesses and a client to prep, but so that's pretty interesting as well, um, and, you know, there's things going on every single day this week, uh, every night this week, so that makes things t- complicated also, and an open house at the law firm happening Wednesday, that, of course, if I have to go to trial on Thursday, then that's going to take up all the evening in which I could use to prep my witnesses. So that's uh, pretty interesting. And at the same time, I have a, a brief due to the Court of Appeals that needs to be filed before I leave for Christmas so all those things are happening in the next two weeks and it's pretty crazy but you just really got to focus on one thing at a time um but again a sick child doesn't help things so this is all a roundabout way of really getting to what I kind of wanted to talk about in this episode which is uh our animal's property oddly enough and I'm thinking about this Because we just got rid of our cats because our cats were just too much once our son was born and it was getting, they were just too much. They're not very clean creatures. They destroy furniture and destroy things. They take constant like litter box maintenance. Like the the next thing you do, you turn around and the litter box is full and it's just ridiculous and it sits there and... You know, they're they're annoying and when you have a, um, a child, you spend most of your free time interacting with that child and you don't spend that time interacting with cats. And they, you know, they track dirt and litter all over the house and they track hair all over the house. And after we, we've had them for about five years and after those five years, the tolerance level has just gone down and down and down and down. And so... I, I don't know if I've talked about whether or not animals are property on the show before, but I I think they are property, and I don't think that uh, – in terms of when you frame things in the non-aggression principle, and I've I've had difficulty with the non-aggression principle lately, and I think I just need to think about it a lot more, but – Upon, you know, further inspection and upon being a libertarian for quite some time, I guess in my own terms now, maybe about seven or eight years now, um it really I don't know, it it seems it seems like it can't it's too simple. And I've I know that like I've torn at people who have had that objection before, and I don't think it's an all encompassing like bam, we fixed everything kind of principle. Is it a legal principle? And I know that there's work out here that I should uh, read or maybe that I even have read in the past that kind of deals with this. And I know Stefan Kinsella has um, his work on estoppel theory and as to estoppel kind of backstopping the non-aggression principle, saying that your actions, um, your previous actions in terms of non-aggression uh, show... And maybe I'm getting this wrong, and I apologize if I am, but your prior actions show that you comport with nonviolence or that you prefer non aggression. So, therefore, if you aggress against someone else, you can't go ahead and argue that their response in defense is not justified because that would be committing a logical fallacy. And it's kind of like argumentation ethics, a little bit, I think, but. So this is a kind of a tangent about how I've been trying to grapple with the non-aggression principle, but it's—I um, don't know—it's been kind of confusing. And I've I've seen other people like Andrew Kern, who have, I've always really respected his ideas, and been interested by what he has to say in terms. He's of the principled libertarian. If you Facebook that, or if you—I I think he has his own website. And he came out with a good ebook about the social contract myth. But um, he, you know, I, I think that you can be a voluntarist and not be wedded to this idea of the non-aggression principle being this end-all, be-all kind of thing. And that, you know, I'm not rejecting it kind of thinking that um, it's invalid. I just don't... F- i'm start I'm questioning, and I think it's good to be open minded and kind of question your base held beliefs but i've I've heard people lately questioning the non aggression principle, and I don't think that that's a bad exercise so just um I'm gonna investigate that a little bit and kind of um there's other problems that And I've mentioned this too when I've been exposed to talking to people about it in my own personal life and maybe even at the firm a little bit. Uh, Some law clerks, uh, one of which is a libertarian. And sorry, I'm getting text messages from my wife. Um, Some law clerks talking about it and kind of explaining it to them this whole libertarianism thing and the non-aggression principle and well there is one law clerk and excuse me for background noises this wouldn't happen without them um but explaining this whole thing or excuse me there's a law clerk who is a libertarian who's a minarchist that i had the pleasure of speaking to this weekend over a, a law firm event that we had take place but uh, in discussing it with him, you know I, I kind of did voice some some questions I had about libertarianism, and one of them is, I think it 's hard to define exactly what coercion is. And I started to write a paper about this because there's varying degrees of coercion, as you can imagine. And um, I thought it would be good to kind of explore that and explore it as possibly a weakness to in the libertarian theory. So, once again, kind of returning to this idea of getting rid of the cats. It's very weird to come home after five years of having cats, and having cats pretty much my entire life. And it's weird to come home and not have cats there, or to be worried about them. Or, yeah, But it's a good thing, you know. It's a huge stress lifted off the shoulders. But... Um, they're definitely property, I think, at least the way that we treat animals. And where I was getting at with this uh, non-aggression principle thing is that just because I I don't think it's... I, I think it violates the non-aggression principle to interfere with someone who is treating their animals like property and beating or... <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about this, but... There's this federal law about animal cruelty that was just passed. And a lot of people in my timeline were, you know, in my normie timeline who were talking about uh, how, oh, this is such a great thing, how we need to definitely crack down on animal abusers everywhere. You know, let's throw federalism out the window. And even though pretty much I, I, I think it's safe to say every single state in the United States has already made animal cruelty illegal, but for some reason... We need to make this a federal offense and that'll definitely solve all of our problems and no animal will ever be beaten again. Moreover, I don't know if I even believe in animal cruelty laws because the non, it violates the non-aggression principle because if animals are property, if that's the underlying assertion or assumption that animals are property, then it would violate the non-aggression principle to prevent someone from beating their animals. And I think that, you know, just as an anecdote, I would would kill a hundred cats with my bare hands if it meant that I would save the life of my son or save the life of maybe another person. I would have to maybe know this person and see directly that I'm saving their life, but I would strangle a hundred cats with my bare hands to save that one person's life. And I think that's an interesting inverse of a way to put it is that, you know, it would violate the non-aggression principle to try to detain someone who was punishing their animals. Uh, another, Another instance is like an interesting thought experiment is I was speaking with another attorney from the firm about libertarianism and he said that libertarianism is ridiculous because it would allow someone to sell their own body to another person to be eaten. And we had this long discussion about this. And I just, I don't think that it's a very satisfying answer just to say that, well, um, I tried to reframe the question by saying, is it moral for you to use violence to prevent that person from selling themselves to be eaten? Uh, now, this would be. It would be taken for granted that this person was of sound mind and was able to rationally make this decision. I think there's an argument to say that maybe de facto you could infer that if this person was selling themselves to be eaten, they are not of sound mind. So therefore we are justified under a certain legal order or under the non-aggression principle even to prevent that from happening and i I think that might be the right answer is that logically you could infer that the person who is selling themselves um, to another, or selling themselves to another person to be eaten while well, that person you would rule is by definition not of the sound mind. Um, and so but then that would almost infer that you couldn't sell your organs to another person. Maybe you couldn't sell, maybe that would say you couldn't sell your organs to another person, um, the end result of which would be your death. I think that's an interesting thought to play around with. And I don't think it was satisfying enough to another person Mm -hmm. to say that, okay, yes, in our libertarian legal order, no one could prevent you from selling yourself to be eaten by another person. Those arguments, like, A person is never going to accept libertarianism. A person of a certain persuasion, political persuasion, is never going to accept libertarianism if, if that is is a possibility under the order. And Andrew Kern kind of says that well, the only thing that we're really, that is really necessary, and the only thing we should really advocate for in a libertarian society is getting rid of the monopoly on the production of laws itself, or being anti-state, in that there should be no entity in the world that has a legal monopoly on the initiation of force in a given, on the legitimate initiation of force in a given territorial area. So, pretty interesting thoughts that I'm just having today, I think, and you know Pretty tired. I've been working like really. Ho- I had a really productive day today, but it was incredibly busy and stressful, like getting ready for these depositions. Um, so, well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode so far. I think that's the end of the thought stream uh, at this point in time. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, don't take me as a cat or an animal hater. I think you guys know better than that. But yeah, cats are. Oh. Sorry, this is the final point. Um, the way that I always frame animals being property is that there is no you know like a person would argue about I think an animal or a being becomes um, evolves from being property and evolves into a sentient human being. I don't think sentience is the the bridge that must be crossed. I think that if an animal can in of themselves, recognize and respect property rights of another is when they evolve from being property into being a human, not a human being, but a being that has property rights. And I think, I think that's it, unless um, they can, you know, to the point where they can truly comprehend and respect property rights. But then again, in order to prove that, I think I would have to have more knowledge of exactly what cavemen were like and at what point do cavemen cease being cavemen and become human beings with property rights. I I don't know. I don't know enough about human history to really say at which point that is. And even then, I'm sure that there's not a clear line. So if we got to a planet that had certain life forms that perhaps wouldn't, um, perhaps were very near human to the point where you think maybe they shouldn't be property, but they couldn't quite respect property rights yet um, or be conscious of them in any sense. Uh, that would kind of drive a stake through my the heart of my theory. But it's nice to have these black and white rules that you think that you can make sense of the world by. And maybe that's the fallacy of the non-aggression principle itself is that you, it, it appears to be a simple rule that will make a the world understandable but in in reality the world itself is not black and white like the non-aggression principle would suggest it is and perhaps there is nuance and i, I think that's more and i i believe that's more and more the case as it's, it doesn't mean i'm throwing everything out the window but i believe that's more and more the case as i get into the world and experience things um and especially cases like this where the, the non-aggression principle, and it'd be even more interesting if I were a judge having to make these decisions on the bench, but in this world where the non-aggression principle appears to make things easy and black and white with a yes or no answer, well, I can tell you the nature of the law, and that's what the non-aggression principle is, I believe, is law. The nature of the law is not black and white like the non-aggression principle would suggest it is, and can't be packaged up like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and and this understanding is evolving as I'm experiencing more in the in my legal practice, and so maybe one day I, I'll kind of take these things and turn it into a cohesive uh, contribution to the libertarian theory. But I would like to you know, at some point in time, I've been meaning for years to get Stefan Kinsella on the show and really pick his brain. But the problem with that is that I'm waiting to be ready to speak to him when I feel like I can really engage him on the, on things that I want to. And so that would mean a lot of prep time. And it would also mean nervousness and, um, you know, things like that, but we'll see, you know, I'm sure it'll happen at some point in time, but I just need to call him up and quit waiting or at least make it a point to figure out exactly um, what I need to read to feel prepared and read that. And what it really means is just narrowing the scope of what we're going to be talking about and getting manning up and getting my balls um, to talk to him. It's like the other most other guests except for James Corbett I think that I I wasn't so invested in interviewing personally to the point where I really wanted to like impress and hit it out of the park. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what it's like being a podcaster, I suppose. I would like to think that maybe some of you who are listening to this B-side podcast are also podcasters, but I like to also think that many of you are people who have listened to my show for a while and care enough about what I personally have to say um, that you understand what I mean and you, I guess, in some way care about what that experience is or what have you. Well, I hope this episode made sense. So I really appreciate you listening. Check me out. Subscribe to this show. Anchor.fm forward slash Liberty Bigly. Check out the main podcast feed. I had Jacob Hornberger on. uh, Keith Knight's interview with Jacob Hornberger, uh, as you know, from yesterday's episode. Not sure yet what I'm going to be doing this weekend. So, but there you go. You know, like this, this podcast is kind of a maybe Patreon bonus content that Patreon should be getting, but is on the open market out there for you to consume so sorry patreon subscribers i'll have to get you a bonus episode here pretty soon um but there's other great bonuses so um you know calls with keith knight and archives of bonus content and what have you so all right now that i drug out this outro for about four or five more minutes i think i'll cut it off here so thanks so much peace